Okay. Um, I want us to always stay connected to what God's doing globally. I love that about this church. I didn't bring that here. That was here when I got here. I want that to continue because we can get so isolated in just the American church. And even when we think about culture and pray about culture and all that, we're only, if we're not careful, only talking about ours. But there's just global cultures all over, and people are walking through different things with different stories in the history of the church there. So thank you for praying over us. Um, freedom's at, our, at, like at the forefront of our mind today. So I want to talk about spiritual freedom, and I know when I say that, that's a broad topic. I want, to, I, want to, I want to zero in on one aspect of spiritual freedom, and it's the freedom that comes through confession, okay? The freedom that comes through confession. Um, when Jocelyn and I got here March 2020, with the conversations that we were able to have with people, one of the common threads that we heard over and over and over, and still to this day here over and over and over, is about this thing called core. Anybody remember core? Anybody go through core? Okay. Half of you. Yeah. All right. So if you meet someone who went through, if you meet someone who went through core, there, it's like, hey, there's, there's people that I walked with on this journey for however many weeks it was, and we put everything out on the table. And basically, it's a, it's a, it was a long uh, process of confession and bringing things into the light and experiencing restoration and healing through confessing those things about us, those things in our story, maybe those things that have happened to us that we were never comfortable in any other environment bringing into the light. So I'll see people say, hey, this person knows everything about me. We did core together. And that person, man, they could tell you about all my skeletons. We did core together. But they say it in this loving, endearing way because they walk through this time of healing and confession together. So Psalms 32 Verses 1 through 11. This is the psalm we're in today. Oh, what joy for those whose obedience, whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. This is David. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, and my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Verse 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. God, we love you. We thank you for these words that have been prayed for hundreds and hundreds of years by the church. I believe there's a thread to this service. I think that what you laid on Cole's heart I believe that what Pastor Marlon was sharing 
is all leading up to these next few moments. And I pray now that that inward battle, just for those in here that hear the word confession, and they're already like doing that inward dialogue, God, I just pray that you'll set them free from that. Let humility be here. The pride that rises up and wants to self-protect and self-justify. Let those walls begin to come down now. Let us experience grace, forgiveness. Let this be an open space for your spirit to move and bring healing. In your name we pray. Amen. So this is a psalm written by David, and he's obviously expressing this joy of finally unburdening himself before the Lord. So we don't know. I'm not sure exactly if this was the sin that he had committed with Bathsheba, the famous sin, or if it was another sin, but he's unburdening himself. He's, he's coming into the light with God and being honest and saying, I've done this and it's wrong. And he's saying, it was so heavy on me. I was so just tumultuous on the inside until I finally brought this into the light and placed it before God. Now, for some of you, when you hear a psalm like this, it all depends on how you're wired and maybe what your church background was or, or, or whatever. But you may read this and go, wow, that just sounds really freeing. Man, that just sounds awesome. Some of you may hear a psalm like this and think, man, I just, I just feel guilt when I hear that. I, I feel like I need to do something or I haven't done something or if I don't confess something, God's not going to love me or I'm not going to be in a good place with God. So there's two things I want to draw out before we uh, kind of work our way through this. The first is this. We do initially, so when you think about confession and how it relates to where we stand with God, okay? So maybe you were raised Catholic. Confession's really big, right? Okay? Maybe you were raised in a uh, legalistic, over-the-top church environment where you thought any single sin that you forgot to confess or did not confess or didn't think to confess would like keep you out of heaven and out of the presence of God. And it was just a low emphasis on grace and then just this high emphasis on constantly making sure that you get everything out all the time. And, but it was more fear. It wasn't like redemptive. See? So some of you, you may, be, you may be coming into a psalm like this from that place. So here's what I want you to know. We do initially confess our sins. So when someone's baptized or when someone has an encounter with the Lord, they confess like God makes us aware. We, you don't have to tell anybody in the world to feel guilty, but God makes us aware that we've, we're guilty before him. And we confess. And then we profess that Jesus is Lord and Savior and that he saved us. So there is this initial confession that happens in all of our lives. But then there's this like ongoing confession. And we need to know that our, before we get into the ongoing confession, your, your relationship with the Lord, the, the fact that you have a relationship with God, that's not something you initiated by your confession. God pursued you. God sent Jesus here. Jesus came here. Jesus died for you. All of this happened completely outside of anything that you realized was going on in the world at that time. You weren't even born here yet. God was consistently pursuing you. The Spirit pursued you. People prayed for you because God burdened them to pray for you. However you came into the kingdom, it was initiated by God. He initiated that. So you don't keep yourself like... Am I a child of God or am I not a child of God by, by what you do through your confessing? Now, we do, well, Paul, Paul actually explains this. I want to read this to you because Paul uses this psalm in Romans 4. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. 
David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose obedience is forgiven. This is our psalm today. And whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. So you will not find anything more quoted and used in the New Testament than the Psalms. They're all, they're all over because this would have been just, Paul would have just embodied the Psalms. He would have prayed the Psalms. He probably had them memorized. So when he's teaching and instructing and writing to this church in Rome, he's just overflowing with David's words. And he's saying, no, 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 you're not counted righteous because you've done a good job today. You're not counted righteous because you've confessed anything. You're counted righteous because you believe. You've professed faith in the one who makes you clean. You've professed faith in the one who makes you righteous. You are saved because of works, but they're Christ's works on your behalf. It's what he accomplished. Okay? You can't earn your way in. You can't lose it. It's, it's accomplished by him, so it's grace. So we receive by faith salvation. So if confession is not this in or out relationship, it's not who's in and who's out. I feel like I always have to address that because us humans just think that way. It's always like, am I in or am I out? Okay. But we have to move past that. We're in, like you're in. And if you're not, come on in. Like take that step towards relationship with Jesus. But once we're in the family, what place does confession serve? Like, why is it important? Why is it helpful? What does it look like? Frederick Beekner, one of my wife's favorite authors, said this. To confess your sins to God is not to tell God anything God doesn't already know. Until you confess them, however, they are the abyss between you. When you confess them, they become the bridge. Right? Not like I sinned, so God sends me away. You ever tried to pray when, when, with unconfessed sin in your heart? You ever tried to pray with unforgiveness? You ever tried to pray with like unresolved conflict where you know there was something you needed to own and repent for? There, there, there's a block. You can, you, you can feel it. It doesn't mean that God can't hear you. It doesn't mean that God can't love you. It doesn't mean that God's not for you. It simply means that there's something there that needs to be dealt with. If I know one of my children has done something wrong, you know, because children, they, they, they think they can pull one over on us, and as they get older, they most certainly can. But when they're little, like, they think we don't know. We just, we're adults, so most of the time we, we understand what's happening. But if we give them an opportunity, even though we know what they've done and we love them and we're like they're three years old, four years old, five years old, it's no big deal, why would we give them an opportunity to come to us and tell us the truth? Why would we give them an opportunity? Does it make me go, oh, wow, now I feel like a great parent. My kid told the truth. No, who's that for? Is it for me or for them? It's for them. It's for their good. They get to bring something into the open. And what do they experience? Aha, I knew it. You're out. Now you live with the neighbors. <laughs> Maybe. No. What do they get to experience? Grace. How powerful. Dad still loves you. I'm so proud of you for telling me that. I can't believe, wow, that took courage. That must, you must have been, you know. And then they get to experience this beautiful thing called, I'm going to say something bad that I know I'm guilty of. I'm going to say it. And then the person that I respect the most, which for a kid is their parent, is going to absorb it and forgive me for it. 
and allow it to bring me closer and hug me after or tell me they love me after. That's a beautiful thing. So confession is not God going, when God asked Adam and Eve, what have you done? He wasn't like, hmm, I feel like you've done something, right? I know you've done something, right? Just not exactly sure. What have you done? He's given them an opportunity that, that had to happen. There's the space that was created, even in the beginning, for us to come into the light. So when we talk about confession, what do we mean? I just wanted to list a few different ways that we can mean this because I think if, if, if we don't, we'll just think like, I stole something, I need to say I'm sorry, okay? Here's the list. I'll just walk through it. We talk about confession, what do we mean? So the obvious one is like sins that we've committed. Have we lied? Have we stolen? Have we committed sexual sin? Have we, uh, you know, all those. But also like maybe there's a season where the disposition of our heart gets, gets checked by uh, someone we know by the Spirit, by both working together. Maybe we go through a season of bitterness, okay? Hard to pray when you're bitter. You, you get this negative grayed out lens on everything. You can't see the world rightly when you're bitter, okay? So you have to confess that. Anger, withholding forgiveness, disposition of your heart, okay? Uh, apathy or passivity. So you've heard like the phrase of sin of omission. You know, I just read, has anybody ever heard of the pastor Eugene Peterson? We lost him recently. So Eugene P Peterson actually pastored like, what, five minutes from where Jocelyn grew up? Jocelyn's mom, Sue's here today. But uh, he pastored in this church in Maryland for years and years and years and then stepped out of the church and wrote all these books. And uh, I read his biography, which was just released. And I thought, man, you know, this guy that I just really have a lot of admiration for, he was so transparent because I think he was interviewed for most, if not all, of the biography. And he was so transparent that he confessed, uh, he, he didn't want anybody to think that he was this perfect guy. So there's a lot of things that you read through and you go, oh, wow, man, I can't believe the courage that he had to come out with that. But one of them was he had this interaction with his adult son. So here's a pastor and he had this interaction with his adult son in adulthood in which his son came to him and said, here's some ways that I was hurt and felt like I came in second place to your ministry. Now, how tempting would it be in your autobiography or your biography that you like endorse to let that part be left out? But it was such a gift to a guy like me. But he had this powerful moment with his son in adulthood to where his son came to him and he apologized for the ways that he had prioritized one thing over his family. And he said, you know, if it was apathy, if it was passivity, if it was a sin of omission as a father, if there were ways that you didn't know I was there for you, then I'm sorry, okay? Um, or disobedience to the Spirit's leading, like maybe you know that God has called you to do something. Maybe he's convicted you to lay down something. Maybe he's spoken to you to do something specific. This doesn't happen all the time, but when it does happen, uh, we, we don't want to disobey the Spirit. So maybe you need to confess if you're living in disobedience, Okay? So when we think about confession and freedom, these are the things that we confess. That's probably not an exhaustive list. But when we think about confession and freedom, what does it mean? Okay? Confession frees us first. We experience restoration back to God and to the church family. Okay? We experience restoration back to God and to the church family. First John, John, one of Jesus' disciples, okay? said this, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live by the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Wait a minute. In him, there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. See that switch? He just makes a switch right there, okay? And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now, John experienced this firsthand. John was in a little small church, little little group that followed Jesus around, okay? He was in the elite, Peter, James, and John, okay? So he was like very accountable, saw this stuff play out. He knew what it was like to have unity in the church, Uh, When we're living in darkness and not in the light, it hinders our relationship with God and makes us isolated from the church community. Now, my leaders and staff have heard me, uh, our our elders and staff have heard me say this many times over the past 18 months. There are two different ways that uh, we can be, uh, we can walk together. Now, these are broad, so let me reduce this to two ways for the sake of this morning. One is... If, if someone in the church is going through something, you need to know that we're always here for you. Okay, I've told this to people. I'm always here for you. If you ever need anything, if you're in trouble, I'm always here for you. The leadership of the church is always here for you. But if you want us to walk in this with you, you better walk in the light. Here's why. We can't walk with you. We can't serve you. We can't love you. We don't know what it's like to be in it with you if you're hiding what we're supposed to be in it with you about. We can't walk with you if it's not in the light. It it, it creates a barrier between community and fellowship. So when you bring your brothers and sisters along and you ask them to join you and I ask you to join me and we do this together as a church, we have to know that we're always going to be for each other, but we can't walk with someone if they're not willing to walk in the light. Okay? All right. I'm just saying what the scripture said. I'm not sure some of you enjoyed that. Okay. Let me read this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says it a lot better than me. Probably should have just skipped to this. All right. In confession the breakthrough to community takes place. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous is his isolation. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. In the darkness of the unexpressed, it poisons the whole being of a person. Now, in confession, the light of the gospel breaks into the darkness and seclusion of the heart. The sin must be brought into the light. Since the confession of sin is made in the presence of a Christian brother, the last stronghold of self-justification is abandoned. Come back to that. The sinner surrenders, he gives up all his evil, he gives his heart to God, and he finds the forgiveness of all his sin and the fellowship of Jesus Christ and his brother. The expressed, acknowledged sin has lost all its power. 
If a Christian is in the fellowship of confession with a brother, he will never be alone again anywhere. The last thing to die, the last stronghold that keeps us from bringing our sin into the light is this innate, fallen, broken desire to justify ourselves below the, before the Lord. And we'll say everything, I'll never do this again. I'll never think this again, so I don't need to confess it. I'm really not going to be this way again, so I don't have to confess it. God forgives me, that's all that matters, so I don't have to confess it. People will think less of me, so I don't have to confess it. People will be disappointed, so I don't have to confess it. This person will think less of me. I need that person to think I'm better uh, than that. I need my children to think I'm better than that. I need my spouse to think I'm better than that. The last stronghold on your heart is self-justification. God, I am enough. I don't need to receive mercy. That's what we don't, we don't want that. Do you realize how humbling and, and just like vulnerable it is to receive mercy? What else? I mean, you got nothing. That's confession. When we step into the light, we are standing before God and we're saying, I'm at your mercy. I bring nothing to what's happened. I don't bring anything right now except a great need for mercy. Please forgive me. And he can't wait. That's his MO. That's his whole thing. It's his whole thing. He can't wait to extend it and restore. The next is this. Confession frees us. Confession brings spiritual, emotional, and physical healing. Jesus' half-brother said this. Half-brother. Same mom. <laughs> I thought that was going to be funny, all right? I was trying to, was trying to like, woo. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Because if they had the same dad, they would both be God the son. Now you're patronizing me. I'm at your mercy. Uh, let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make them well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, this isn't a magic formula. Confess your sins and your knee gets better. That has happened. But this is much more than that. This is much more layered than that. We, this church prays for inner healing. If you're new around here, that's part of what, what we do. Because there's, um, a lot of times what we're experiencing physically is our body like keeping the score from what's going on inside of us. Okay? There's this emotional, spiritual uh, health or unhealth that finds its way into our physical body. Sometimes in unburdening ourselves from things that we've done or were, were done or whatever, you know, the disposition of our heart, finally forgiving. I mean, sometimes there is a major healing that takes place 
a multi-layered healing that takes place in someone's life because they've done that. So he's talking about physical healing, but he's also saying confess your faults, confess your sins so that you can be healed, like just renewal, okay? I feel like there's this big misconception about God when it comes to our sin and that God's disposition toward us and our sin is like, I have this expectation for you to figure this thing out. But it's like, will you please... The, the, real, the real disposition is, will you please just surrender this thing to me through confession so that I can heal you? He wants us to be whole. Like God's like trying to make sure we're doing a good job. No, God wants, he's trying to heal us. He's trying to make us whole. He's trying to make us like Jesus. He's trying to renew us and restore us and like put things back together. Re he heals memories. Okay? We have people in this church that have bad memories that have turned into ministries. Okay? He heals stories. He heals, he heals the past. I, that seems impossible, but it does. Like the Spirit heals the past and changes directions for the future, like changes generational things. Like He does all of these things, and it's through confession and, and healing. And opening ourselves up to that. But you've got to want to be holy more than you want to appear to be holy. There's no room for pretense before the Lord. He looks right through you. So let him just say it. It's for you. He doesn't need to know. He knows it's for you. Okay? So before Cole comes back up and leads us in a time of prayer ministry, I'm going to read this prayer that I've, I've read quite a few times. It's from the Book of Common Prayer. Um, it's been read for hundreds of years by Christians. If you want to read it with me, you can. Okay? On three, we'll start. One, two, three. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no help in us. O oh Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises. Declare to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O oh most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. You can stand with me. Holy Spirit, we invite your ministry. Bring humility in this room. In your name we pray.